Our great God, we, we do praise you that it is in Christ alone that not only is our faith secure, but our very being is taken care of. We thank you that coming and being at your feet is about the best place that we as children of God can come to be at your feet to hear from you, to be set free by you, and then also to join together that we may offer up worship to you. Our hearts have already been affected. But I pray, God, that it would reach to the depths of our soul. We're grateful for Clay. (laughs) His facial expressions, even as I remember them, caused me to chuckle. What a wonderful gift he is. There's all families that have these children, and we know of how precious they really are. They remind us of what faith is all about. Because as the children trust their parents for everything that they need, it's a good reminder that we as parents need to do the same thing. And so God, thank you for this service this morning. It has been special. And we're grateful, Lord, for your word. In the time that remains, I, I pray, God, that as we again open your word, that your spirit would speak to us, that you would take your word and maybe drive it to the very depths of our soul, that we would come to a, a deeper and a more appreciative thought of life, that centers around you. And so, God, thank you for this morning again. Lead us in this study, and we'll praise you. And thank you in the matchless name of Christ our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are continuing our study in the, the book of Ezra, a short book but a powerful message because we've entitled this particular series as the greatness of our God. And last week we saw his greatness as he works through history, as he keeps his promise through his word, and even as he now blesses us by his very, very promises. This morning, I I found myself, as I finished doing the study guide, that my professors would probably scorn me this morning, because what I really need to do is to begin at the end and go backwards. 
what we need to do is we need to grasp two very important things about God and his greatness that is displayed from verses 5 down through verse 11. The first one is this, and we're starting at the very bottom, that these events point to the providence of God. The providence of God. Let me give you from a theological position, now don't fall asleep right away, but let me give you from a theological position what do we mean by the providence of God. First of all, you will never find the word providence of God in the Scriptures. But it is used in a a very dynamic way, the word providence, to describe what it is that God does. You will find places in Scripture where it says, from the hand of God, or even from the provisions of God, but you will never find the word providence. So I need to give to you three points that deal with what providence is. The first one is this. The providence of God is God's gracious outworking of his purpose in Jesus Christ, which issues in his dealings with mankind. You probably already know this, but there is a theme that begins in Genesis and goes all the way through to the end of the book of the Revelation, and that theme, that purpose statement is this, that God redeems people. It is the redeeming presence of God. And everything from the not-so-New Testament all the way through to the end of the New Testament, it points to one provision that God has given to the world, and it's capsulized in the phrase that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. If we could focus on a verse that capsulizes the whole theme of the Word of God, it would be John 3, 16. And so the providence of God is his outpouring of blessings to mankind with a focus through Jesus Christ. The second part of the providence of God is this, is that the providence of God also serves as a witness to God among heathen people. Working in and through us, as God provides for us, it is a witness to who he is to the whole world. That was to be the theme of the nation of Israel. They were to be a witness to the whole world of who God is. 
time and time again in the not-so-New Testament as God is speaking through the prophets to the nation of Israel. He says, I will do this that the world may know that I am God. That also falls upon us as the New Testament church. We are to be living, we are to be speaking, we are to be demonstrating who God is in all that we say and all that we do. The third point of the providence of God is this, is that the providence of God is also the wonder of God who gives life to man and also preserves man while he is on this earth. Whether found or lost, whether saved or unsaved, the Scripture says that God causes the rain to fall. It is a blessing that the providence of God not only provides for the needs of mankind, but it's with the purpose that mankind is sustained. God never leaves himself without a witness. Just in the providence of God alone, we saw last week that it was the Lord God who moved in the heart of Cyrus. A godless king who became a part of God's plan in order that the nation of Israel could go back to Jerusalem to build, to rebuild the temple with the purpose that once again they would become the witness of the greatness of God to the known world. The providence of God was glorious. The second thing we need to, to at least look in these few verses is this, that these events point to the purpose of God, to the purpose of God. God has a purpose. We do not live in this world in a form of happenstance and luck. God has got a purpose. As believers, our purpose is to worship him and serve him in order that mankind will know that there is God. But the purpose of God even goes beyond that because there are moments when we don't, aren't even aware of his purpose. Events that happen today we may not even fully come to understand the reason for them until maybe a few months or years from now. My wife and I were, periodically we comment on the number of times that, that we used to drive up to upstate New York to minister at a, a Bible conference, and we drove on the other side of the river up Route 11 and 15, all the way up to New York, and then cross over, over to a place where we would minister. 
Stopped at that McDonald's over in Shemokin Dam. Got lunch. That was a break for our children. In fact, one of my daughters slammed my hand in the, in the car door when I was there. Never thinking, never even considering the fact of what is on the other side of the river. Until about four years ago, where I called and said, where is Herndon? It's on the east side of the Susquehanna River. God's purpose and his plan was being played out when we didn't even know what was going to happen. And yet here we are. Here you are. Some of you may have same type of story, different circumstances, but as you look back at it, how was it that God introduced himself to you by his grace? That's the dynamic. That God's purpose and his plan is for redemption of those who are lost. And as we see in chapter 1 and verse 5 of this wonderful book of Ezra, we see the beginning of God's greatness as we look at the call and the collection of people. The call and collection of the people. When you compare chapter 1 and verse 5, if you want clarification as to how many individuals from the different clan headships there are, you go to chapter 2. Chapter 2 is a commentary for chapter 1, verse 5. Because in chapter 2, verse 1, through the end of that chapter, it gives names of families and tribes of those families that heeded the call to come to rebuild the temple. Notice what it says in the text. In chapter 1 and verse 5, it says this. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all those whose spirits God had moved, arose up to go, arose up to go up, rose to go up, excuse me, and build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. The heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, the priests and the Levites, and those whose spirits God had moved, God called, and these individuals heeded. Two very important points that we must talk about here just in that first verse. And it is this. God stirred the remnants of the hearts, not all of the nation of Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. Reminds us that God's work, as recorded in not-so-New Testament, especially in the life of Gideon and 1 Kings, I'm sorry, in Judges chapter 7 and 8. 
Gideon started out with a massive army. God didn't want a massive army. He wanted a small gathering. Why? So that God would receive the honor and the glory. And God would receive the honor and the glory. Too often, I'm afraid, that churches put on the belt of boasting. Look what we have done. When in reality, it should be a a cloak of praise of what it is that God has done. I praise the Lord that at the initialization of purchasing of the new land, we thought there was only a little over 27 acres, but God had two acres hidden. Now we have 29. We got the two acres for free. Can I get an amen from the congregation? We got two free acres. And in a short period of time, God has moved in your hearts to come a part of that. It's not about what we've done. It's all about what Jesus Christ is doing. When you stop and think about it, $59,000, God has moved and you've responded. And it's all for his honor and praise and glory. I trust that when you drive by that acreage, it don't look like much right now. God's got a plan. And his purpose is to reach people for Jesus Christ. Starts out small. But pretty soon, I don't know if I will see the first shovel that will go on the ground. God will move in hearts when it's time. And that's okay. We'll continue to minister here. But what I want you to realize in just this first verse is that God didn't say to the whole nation, let's go back. He said, let's start out small because I'm about to do something great. The second thing of this particular first verse is this, is that God stirred the spirits of the people as he stirred the spirit of Cyrus. It was God. And it's all about him. Never was about any of you, nor is it ever about me. It is only about who God is. And it's in his providence and in his purpose that he directed these individuals. Who, by the way, if you are are familiar with not-so-New Testament thinking, These are individuals that needed to go to begin the work. You need priests and Levites to minister in the church, in the temple. 
you need Judah and Benjamin to go to be the leaders of that particular building project. God is a God of order, not happenstance or confusion. And God determined to move in these people's lives, and they answered. That, by the way, brings me to the closing remark. We're not going to get to the rest of the notes. Someone give me an amen. The closing remark is this. Every day, every day, we are faced with a choice. Every day, we are faced with a choice. And the choice is this. Will I heed the voice of the Lord God from His Word, or will I not? That's your choice. These individuals' hearts were stirred by God. As I'm sure there are times when you come to the Word of God and you open it and you read something like Psalm 126, of when it says, and when God brought us back to Zion, we were as men who dreamed. They were captured by the realization of what it was that God was doing. And they couldn't help but change their lives. Or you could be on the other side of that spectrum and virtually look at your relationship with Jesus Christ as nothing more than fire insurance from hell. And just go about your own way doing your own thing. We are faced with a decision. Will I heed the Word of God and purposely live my life for His honor and for His glory, or will I just go along for my own pleasure? And this morning, in just one verse, God has opened our, high, our eyes, and I trust our hearts, to the realization that He has a purpose for us, and that is to live honorably for Him. Why? So that in His providence, even the heathen will know something's going on at that Grace Community Church. God is there. I'd like to find out what that is all about. That's our choice. As long as the Lord gives me breath, I would determine to preach and to live honorably before Him who alone is worthy of all praise. The question is, will you join me? That's between you and Jesus Christ. Time is gone, but the call of God never stops. Heed his call today. As he speaks to you, move. 
as he whispers to you, listen and determine that what he says you will do for his honor and for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. I thank you for your call. I thank you for your desire to use us for the purpose of pointing people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. How I ask, O oh God, that you would use this just one verse in order to awaken us to your stirring. May you, O oh Lord God, receive all the honor and the glory that is due your name. We'll be careful to praise you. Amen.